the Seattle Kraken bring the Stanley Cup playoffs to the Pacific Northwest under the Kraken name for the first time in franchise history. The game might not have gone the way we wanted, the final result, but there was certainly a lot that was exciting for Seattle. I have a special guest on this Monday game day episode of Locked on Kraken. From the depths of the standings in year one to the base of that playoff mountain in year two, the Seattle Kraken have clinched their very first spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Locked on Kraken, your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Today's episode of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. With Allison Lucan, we're going to talk a little bit about what the atmosphere was like in Climate Pledge Arena from her perspective, talk about what she saw out of Game 3, and look ahead to tonight's game, also at Climate Pledge Arena, and then overall, what she believes, other than win four games, the Seattle Kraken need to do to take this series. Let's head over to my conversation with the amazing Allison Lucan. Once again, here with Allison Lucan. Now, other than other locked on hosts, you might be the guest that has made the most appearances. And honestly, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Thank you for joining us on Locked on Kraken. Well, I am here for it too. You know, I am such a huge fan of your work in all areas of sport, including off the court field and ice. So always here to talk with you and your listeners. We love you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And and the feeling is mutual. I know when I was in Seattle, I couldn't stop gushing about everyone. I mean, it's just such a great community that the Seattle Kraken has built. Um, and it, that extends to the media core who, who cover the team outside of people like yourself who are doing that on the broadcast, your travel with the team as a writer. And so that's where we wanted to start, Allison, with your experience now with the Seattle Kraken franchise in its second season. What was it like game three walking into the arena? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Because we have to be there early. So we're there almost before the arena wakes up, if that makes sense. So we're kind of walking around and then we're all getting prepared while fans come in. So we don't necessarily feel a build, but we feel just kind of this bam of emotion and for the work I do, we're obviously on air pregame. So again, we don't feel the build. We're, we're working, we're focused, and then our show stops and then the game begins. And so it was just like hitting that wall of energy and feeling that passion. And I just think it's so exciting for the organization, for these amazing fans who went through such an insane first year. 
And to have the game that we had, now it obviously didn't go the Kraken's way, but there's so many smart hockey fans in Seattle, but for those who haven't experienced NHL playoff hockey, to have a game like that, like that gave you a little taste of everything. And I think that was awesome for it too. Wow. Yeah. And I love that. And yes, the media and broadcasters, obviously team personnel arrive. I found though that sometimes just that quiet before the storm is in and of itself kind of like chill inducing because you know that things are going to be totally different as you said like the, by the time the lights come on and to your point you don't get that build so it's like yeah. quiet and then right into the show <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i i think i find too one of my favorite times is the quiet after mm. win or lose like kind of being in that arena after is just it, you feel things settle. You feel the energy kind of close on the story. And I also think um, for me too, it's an important time because you see all the hard work that starts right then to get the arena ready for whatever is next at yeah. the venue. And those are some of the hardest working people in our business. And to just see them work and to see them smile and to say thank you, um, that, that quiet after is pretty special to me too. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that for sure, because I'm, I'm sure writers can attest. Yeah, sometimes we are in, in there after to the point where they're like, hey, love yeah. you. gotta go. Peace <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah, no, but it's amazing to see things turn around, whether it's for a concert or if there's still basketball happening in arenas. And and that's pretty cool. All right. Um, so game three, you alluded to it. Maybe not the way, obviously not the way the Seattle Kraken wanted things to go down. But we are going to be we're talking immediately after the day after the game. And this will go live for Locked on Kraken fans the day of the next game game four. So why don't we just first start with game three? So many different storylines, but what was your favorite storyline coming from Kraken camp heading into game three? Heading into game three. Well, I think it was just watching how this team would introduce playoff hockey to their fans and, and on the serious side, how they would handle managing that emotion tactically. You know, we all know the narrative that the Kraken have not played as well, or maybe I should say gotten the results at home as much as they have gotten on the road. And so to see how they would respond when there's so much coming at them that has nothing to do with the actual X's and O's was very interesting to me. And we also knew what was going to be interesting. This is a time of year we don't know what lineups are going to be. And so to see how the team responded to the absence of Morgan Geeky, who was out, understandably, for the <laughs> pending arrival of his first child. Um, that was going to be an interesting storyline for me, too. Yeah, for sure. And then Jesper Froden stepping in there. Um, his first playoff game happens with the Seattle Kraken. So now let's talk about th those lineup changes and some things that we saw in game three. Um, Outside of just Froden slotting in and other things here and there, what did you see now looking back retrospective um, that really stood out to you from um, a statistics and analytics perspective in game three? Yeah. And, you know, I want to start off, too, by saying, you know, th that was a that was a that was a game of ups and downs for sure. And right now the Kraken are behind in the series, but they're not too far behind. And I have been impressed. I was talking to my partner earlier today about how I think, honestly, this has been the best series of the playoffs to date, just because it's two great teams playing great hockey. Um, so when I say these things, I don't want anyone to think I'm saying, oh my gosh, these are terrible signs of horrible things to come. But I think the two things, there's, there's three things that stand out to me. And I think the first is um, the lack of the Kraken power play to convert. 
Um, it has looked discombobulated more so than it ever has. It's usually organized. It just maybe couldn't score. So it's looked discombobulated um, in this series. And particularly, of course, those two shorthanded goals against really hurt the Kraken early. Second thing that stands out for me is rush chances. Um, that is the narrative every time these two teams get together. And this was the first game, in my opinion, all regular season and all postseason where the Kraken really kind of struggled holding that back. In fact, the Avs had 11 rush chances, which is a really high number, the highest of any time these two teams have played the season. I think the Kraken had maybe one. So I think that is another statistical thing that stood out to me. And the third and final one, if you were watching our broadcast, you know we've been talking about it, is Colorado's ability to convert off of faceoffs into mm -hmm. goals. In fact, they're one of the top three teams in the regular season in terms of being able to do that. So again, these things I'm watching are things that we already knew the Avs were really, really good at. It's not like the, the Kraken are falling down on the job, but this was a game where three things where the Avs can really excel, they were able to find a way to push past the Kraken's opposition to that. And so that's where I hope to see the Kraken improve going into game four. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think you really gave us a lot of things, things that we've been talking about, of course, here on Locked on Kraken. Definitely because we we listened to the pregame and postgame that's happening over on Root Sports. Thank but you. coming up, yeah, of course, of course. Um, you, we always miss the crew. And and you know what? It was it was interesting. Um because obviously home, you always want to hear your home team broadcast. You're familiar with them for big moments and just the way that the series or excuse me, the season ended for Seattle. There were some pretty big moments that we didn't get to hear from the root sports perspective, but thankfully we have Dave and Everett who were holding it down for sure. Thank and goodness. Still, yeah. And still have some amazing calls that have come from that. So in coming up later on the show, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what, what the transition from season one to season two has been like for the team, but then also for you and your growth and development and all of the different roles that you hold. So we're going to, we're going to do that coming up and then get into a little bit more of not just what we saw in game three, but what we think will be important in game four coming up tonight. This episode of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by Game Time. Now, we've all been there. You're in a city or maybe you've got friends who are visiting and you have to figure out what to do. Or you just found out your favorite artist is in your hometown one night only and you don't have tickets. Well, you can buy tickets to your favorite events without the stress, and that's where the Game Time app comes in. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. You can have you can find flash deals, last minute tickets, and they're easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You will get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. When you arrive, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. The tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. That, my friends, is definitely a bonus. So snag tickets without stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And redeem your code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, 
lowest price guaranteed. All right, Seattle hockey fans, still here with the amazing Allison Lucan, who, in addition to all of the things that she does in and around the Seattle Kraken hockey team, is also one of the co-hosts of Too Many Men podcast, which we love. Uh, I love also just how the fans have absolutely embraced the podcast. It's been amazing um, to hear three women talking hockey. You know, that is near and dear to me. Um, but um, we're going to get back to Seattle Kraken hockey just for a minute here. So we talked a little bit about game three. We have game four coming up. And yes, power play stood out to me. You talked about rush chances. Again, not just in this series, but against these two opponents and face-offs. So now one question that we've been getting a lot here and have been trying to figure out how this fits into the just scheduling of a, of a playoff series, the franchise first playoff series is practice because some of the things that you maybe want to refine have enough time realistically to hold practices. I know some people have wondered what does the scout for the opposition look like if you are holding those skates and things of that nature. So we know that at the day that we're recording that Dave Haxtell did speak to media, but as far as I know, the team didn't hit the ice with an official practice. So what are things that the Kraken is doing if they're not refining things on the ice um, to then make some of the adjustments that they need for game four? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're spot on in that there's not a ton that a team can change right now. And in fact, they shouldn't. You know, you hear Dave Haxtall and the players talk about, we just have to keep doing what we're doing because when you're playing at that speed with that level of skill, I know it's cliche, but you don't have time to think. You don't have time to think, oh, today I'm supposed to go left when I've always gone right. It has to be muscle memory. So it has to be something that just comes readily to you, just like the way that maybe you always use a left hand to pick up a pen or a pair of scissors or what have you. So, you know, again, I don't think that what the Kraken want to do or improve are things that are very far off or need to be these huge tactical changes. So I'm certainly not in the room, but what I would expect that the coaching staff and the players are doing is looking at video and saying, remember, here is where we've always talked about, for example, defenders having a good gap on an opponent, really seal that back into your brain and look at this picture of where we needed you to be a little closer, for example, or, you know, a comment that I heard from the availabilities Sunday morning, um, even though they didn't skate because of, as always, you're spot on, um, was the players talking about knowing who's on the ice. So again, it's just reminders of be very aware when those big guns for Colorado are out there. They've already done any sort of tweaking and mental preparation for how they want to attack this series. Now it's about reminders and reinforcements of here's what you did very well. And here's those things that we've done. And you really just need to be focused on doing them as well as you always have or as well as you could going into game four. Yeah, I think that sounds to me like it's a real emphasis, whether it's tagged this way or not, but of the intersect between the mental and the physical game. And so while you want to rest the body, which is also a part of that, right, intersect, you can do things that keep your body in a, in a state 
of rejuvenation while still getting mentally prepared um, for some of the things and, and using that um, kind of uh, memory to then seep into as second nature muscle memory. So I think that's really interesting. And it's, again, not something that is unfamiliar in postseason play, regardless of the sport. But hockey is such an interesting sport in just how fast it goes. And I would argue that baseball, there's a lot of complexity in baseball. However, <laughs> right. However, the complexity, maybe they're up to snuff, but the speed, <laughs> one is so much faster than the other. And so the time in between and the time to react, very, very different in hockey. So that's interesting. It does lead me to, and I'm going to kick this too, because we always have to drop a little women's hockey gem in here, but listening to a lot of the storytelling and speaking to former coaches actually about Team Czechia in women's worlds and the fact that the coaching staff almost narrates what's happening that's a way that they've found to bridge that gap in real time in, in a game. So what do we normally see? I mean, because we see coaches talking, we see players talking on the bench in a game all of the time. But uh, to your knowledge, just generally speaking, maybe not with the Kraken in particular, but how much of that barking back and forth is a little bit of that being able to bridge that gap in real time between what we talked about in maybe film and what's happening on the ice. Yeah, it's a great question. And it, it is just another reminder. And you and I talk about this on the record and off the record all the time of how we're so lucky to have the innovation we have on the women's side of the game, because I fear we don't allow ourselves to be as free thinking and as free sharing, which makes us all better as we are on the women's side. But I digress. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, I don't know what entirely is said on the bench. My understanding is that in real time, particularly when gameplay is happening, it's a lot of encouragement. And it's also honestly just a lot of direction. Who's going out next? What line is going out next? What pair is going out next? A lot of that matchup management that we're seeing. I think that what you do watch for in terms of communication is what happens during stoppages. And, you know, there was a shot to last night and Colorado was up by two goals at this point. And still head coach Jared Bednar was bringing his whole team in for a huddle to talk about some strategy. And I think that is where you'll see this often a coach calls a timeout and brings everyone around a whiteboard. And it might be the head coach or an assistant coach. If it's a power play opportunity or a penalty kill opportunity, the coach in charge of that special teams unit will pull out the whiteboard and draw up those plays. Um, but I think that's the only time you're really seeing a strategy come from the coaches. What I love to see is when, and Yanni Gord is the perfect example of this for the Kraken is when you see the players talking to each other and, you know, saying, I saw this or make sure next time we're out there, you do this, or don't forget about that. And a lot of times now that is helped by the iPads and the video screens that they have available to them to rewatch a play and relook at something. But I don't know. I, I think we'd love to think that it's a lot more than it is, <laughs> but I think it's just so instantaneous, actually, except for stoppages on the bench. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Again, it's just one of those things that as the sport innovates, especially, as you mentioned, on the women's side, and we see how 
a group like Czechia is looking to close that gap, which for those who are maybe not as familiar with the women's game is still very much um, the presumptive favorites and have earned that spot for one and two are the United States and Canada. But now with Czechia coming up and looking at some of the things that they're doing just to get ready for, again, these are, these are NCAA champions. They've played in leagues across the world, uh, obviously in world championships. It's not that they don't know hockey, but how much do you know hockey as a unit? And that's another Another storyline, I think, Allison, that has come out of this matchup in particular, the defending champions versus the rookies in the first round of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. So I want to talk a little bit about that and get your uh, thoughts on what Seattle is going to do, um, might look to do in game four, which is coming up tonight. But first, I want to hear a little bit about your journey. It's not always that I get to, you know, speak to a an analyst and writer who's uh, following their team on their first journey into the playoffs. So we're definitely going to talk about that and then close the show with I don't I don't want to call them predictions, but just some things to watch out for in Game Four happening later tonight. We appreciate the everydayers. You make Locked on Kraken a part of your daily routine. Thank you for those on YouTube who comment and on social media. You can follow us at Locked on Kraken. The everydayers you know. We've been talking about a few things here and there, and Allison Lucan has addressed some of them, but there's one thing I wanted to make sure I asked Allison, and that was about this bully ball hockey that I've been seeing. I'm going to let you hear what Allison has to say about it and why maybe, just maybe, I was overreacting. Does that happen often? No. No, no, no. The answer is no, right? <laughs> anyway, let's get back to my interview with Allison Lucan. All right, Allison, we're going to switch gears here a little bit and talk about one of my favorite topics. I don't know how you feel, but it's you and <laughs> what you've been able to do uh, with the Seattle Kraken organization. You have this really unique role where you are a part of the broadcast and making sure we're up to snuff with data-driven analysis, which we so much appreciate. But then also you get to do some storytelling for the Seattle Kraken. Um, everything from, you know, their better halves <laughs> to leadership, which we've talked about here on Locked On cracking before. So year to year, what has been most exciting for you as someone with that um, proximity to the team in seeing how this Seattle Kraken team was able to get to their first playoffs? Yeah, I, it's uh, it's been a fun but kind of insane second year. You know, you think the first year would be the craziest. And I think in some ways, the second year is the craziest because we've talked before it, it's times of great success and it's times of great struggle where I think you can learn the most. Um, and so to your point, to be able to dig into the whys of the complete change in terms of how this team has been able to execute on the ice has been very rewarding. And I think that, and you know this because you've been on the road with us, that when you're with the team on the road, it's kind of a special little bubble and that you have a more unique opportunity to 
see the team in a different light. Maybe you have a little bit more time to talk to players because there might be fewer of us local media or Kraken-specific media around. And you just get to, to do a vibe check, honestly, of, of what's going on outside of the same thing that you've always seen. So I think being around the team and being able to dig into it from a human side is what I have enjoyed the most on the writing side. And that goes into some of these stories that have absolutely nothing to do with numbers, um, but everything to do with, with the intangibles that, that really are important. Um, and I think on the television side, it's definitely for me been a, oh gosh, now that you've done it, you see all the stuff you should do better and the things you want to do more of. <laughs> so, um, you know, I felt pretty good about my first year. And again, I can't thank enough the people, everyone at Root and everyone who's part of our broadcast team. They you look, you can look back now and realize how much they helped you and taught you now that you see all the stuff you figured out. Um, but now I'm seeing just more opportunities to do better and more opportunities to do better by our fans and our viewers. And, and that's been really challenging, but also really, really interesting as well. The, the journey continues as it should for us all. If you stop learning, you, you stop living. So keep on with that. Hey, I love that. I absolutely love that. And again, I think that goes back to just, for me, what seems to permeate from the culture that the front office in particular has solidified and established and the, the language that the staff um, has really embraced to do hockey, to do HL hockey in particular, in a way that is familiar enough to the Pacific Northwest, and I want to get into that a little bit, obviously to NHL and hockey fans, but also expands that bubble in this beautiful way. And that's one of the reasons I quite honestly took this role. I don't, I wasn't necessarily looking to talk about the men's hockey on a, on a daily basis, but the Seattle Kraken was intriguing in so many different ways, including that as someone who mostly spends summers in the Pacific Northwest, there is just an innate beauty in that area. And you have been able to bring us through now a new series uh, to get to experience some of that because you are not native to the Pacific Northwest. So what has that series along with Filson been like? And, and to, to, again, have players where you're, you're doing all these outdoor activities in, in a place that's not native to you, but very much home to Seattle Kraken fans. Yeah. So I, I can't, I keep just thinking how lucky I am to have been part of the uncharted series and shout out to Filson whose sponsorship and partnership made it possible and shout out to the Kraken Savannah Hollis, who has really fostered this idea into reality for, I mean, I think our first conversation, I know our first conversation was over a year ago about bringing this to reality. So those people deserve a ton of credit, but, um, I do love to be outdoors. I do a big, a big backpacking trip every summer. So it has been great. I've actually conned my backpacking group. Our trip this year is in the Pacific Northwest. So <laughs> we're bringing them out here too. Um, but no, I think it's important to do this series to introduce people to the area first and foremost, because we always hear the narrative, right? Oh, it's gray. It's gloomy. It always rains. And there's a lot of different stories to tell other than that Um assumption. And that's not really what it's like out here. It's beautiful out here. And it's amazing in that you can be in the city and in 10 minutes, you know, that's something Alex Wenberg and I talked about. You're 10 minutes away and you feel you're completely removed from reality and you're in beautiful nature and seeing a waterfall. I mean, we're so lucky to have such a diversity of natural opportunity. Um, that's been really cool to tell. We have one more coming that I think people will like. 
Um, but I think to it, a huge thank you and kudos to the players who have participated because this is not an insignificant amount of time. And to make it look great, we also have to sometimes do things two or three times. And um, they're not actors by choice. <laughs> so that can feel a little uncomfortable to them. And, um, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit, you know, players and media are not friends. We're, we're respectful of each other. We like each other, hopefully most of the time. But it's not like we're hanging out and we're besties. And so for them to be willing to spend a ton of time with me and with our crew and be willing to share more of themselves is huge. And it's really, really, really appreciated. And I'm so happy that the fans have enjoyed it because it, it took a lot of people going outside of their comfort zone to make it happen. And I think it was really awesome. Wow. You pulled the curtain, uh, you know, a little bit so people could see the wizard at work. Yes. Sometimes it takes multiple takes. Um, but I think that's a great point that you mentioned as well. And, the way that sports media has evolved and it impacts then uh, to your point athletes, there is a little bit more of an expectation that we get some of that, whether it's players creating their own content um, or teams being able to, to create that. And it's not always a, a, a good marriage <laughs> uh, to say the least, or it doesn't come off in a way that is comfortable um, to, to any party involved. So I, I think that y'all have done a, a great job and yes, the star is definitely the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so I love that about it, but okay. We're, we're getting close to time here, Allison Lucan, and the puck will drop later tonight at the time people are watching this on game four. So we talked about some things that stood out to you in game three, whether it's those things or, or otherwise, um, what are some things and storylines that you are going to be keeping a keen eye on as we head into game four at Climate Pledge Arena? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of my favorite things about the playoffs is I said this uh, on our postgame show after game three. But, you know, if you lose a game or even in any professional arena that any of us work in, if, if something doesn't go the way to plan, often you have to go, oh, I wish I could have done it better. And you don't have an opportunity to redeem yourself, so to speak. And that's one of the cool things about playoff hockey is that you get a chance. Um, so first and foremost, I'll be looking for that mindset right out of the gate of the Kraken coming out with confidence and coming out with assertiveness and remembering that they are a really good team that got themselves to a hundred point season and deserve to be in the playoffs and are hanging with the defending Stanley cup champs. I think tactically on the ice, you know, we've talked about special teams going to be watching those for sure, but I think something that was missing for me in game three that I think would solve a lot of uh, the challenges from game three is that, the Kraken, particularly in games one and two, could really set up and hold the zone offensively. And the best defense can sometimes be a good offense. And if Colorado doesn't have the puck, they can't challenge you and score. So I'd like to see the Kraken be a little bit more assertive, hold the zone for longer periods of time, get some second and third chances. I think that will not only hopefully lead to goals, which is what matters most, but also lead to some confidence. And again, if you put this team on pure defense, and by that I mean Colorado, I think you might be able to exploit some opportunity there. Mm, I like this. There's so many things that you hit on that we've been talking about. And the everydayers who listen to Locked on Kraken Monday through Friday can definitely pick up on some things. And they probably know what I'm about to ask next, which is a question about physicality. First of all, 
first of all, as someone who's just like glancing in popping in and out, particularly uh, the Toronto and Tampa Bay series, because they're almost always right before us. Um, but it seems like the physicality in this first round of the playoffs is on another level. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing, but for a Seattle Kraken team, I've called them spry blue, you know, blue collar type. That's not necessarily our game. We're not going to let our teammates and our skaters be bullied. That's for sure. But I wonder if sometimes that energy, especially in this series against Colorado, has taken the Kraken away from some of what they want to do with more consistency. What's your take, just generally speaking, on the physicality and, and how Seattle can react and respond to that, but also dish it out? Yeah, it's a great question. I could talk about this for days. <laughs> Just like positionless hockey, Erica, we're going to have to come back to this one. But, you know, again, I was talking about how earlier I was saying that I thought this was truly the best series. I also love the Kraken Colorado series right now because honestly, and we're all seeing the headlines from all the series from Dallas, Minnesota, all of them. But this series doesn't have that controversy. It doesn't have that bad hit. It doesn't have that controversial injury. So even though, and I think to your point, it's really, really Interesting to note that even though you're playing against the defending Stanley Cup champs, who, in my opinion, have one of the best front offices and truly analytics departments in the league, if not in sport, mm -hmm. they're a team that plays physical, but they're not doing, I'm saying this to be extreme, but they're not gooning it up either. These yeah. are two teams that are using, if you watch particularly games one and two, Colorado could not get into the attack zone. And that is because the Kraken were challenging them physically every time they tried to enter. Or if the puck got into the zone, they were taking it away. This Kraken squad isn't huge, let's be honest. They're not a team that can throw their bodies around all day. But they use their bodies in defensive positioning to change the flow of the game. And I think mm. it's a really important statement that one of the best teams and the very best team last season – is playing a similar game. Now, they may have some bigger bodies, and yeah. there have been some big hits for sure, but no one's saying that just physicality for physicality's sake is yes. part of the answer to winning this series. I love it. That's, I mean, you spoke so much. That's like, this is not the only reason, but definitely one of the reasons why I am enjoying this series because it's familiar. It's, yes. You, you know, it, to your point, it's not gooning it up, but it is physical. And I guess sometime last week, maybe Thursday or Friday's episode, I talked about Yanni Gord in particular being able to bait two players at a time often uh, from Colorado. And then because, again, we're kind of a spry, smaller team, he can spin right out of that and has been able to, although he has not scored himself, set up opportunities for his teammates. And I think that's a perfect way of, of describing it. I do think that Jared McCann um, is, is definitely a focal point when it yes, comes to – some of like the goon adjacent stuff that we see and Colorado has been frustrating him. We've seen Maddie Beneers also, especially in game two. Um, I don't want to say fall victim, but definitely be a target in that way. Um, and so I'm very curious to see how those players in particular change. But I think the prototype for how to use that to your advantage, in my opinion, from watching the first three games has been Yanni Gord. He's just so smart. And also, He'll sass it up with anyone on the ice and laugh about it. So, <laughs> yep, exactly. You always see that. And I th and you're so right, Erica. Like his, 
we describe him as spicy. We describe him as aggressive and he is all of those things, but it's because he's got an active it's stick. Smart. It's because he will go in and fight for the puck. It's not that he's throwing his body around. He will frustrate you mm-hmm. with his body positioning, with his stick, with his energy, but yeah. it's not just, I'm going to hit you. It, it, he's such a smart, important player. So smart. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, okay. We're going to have to see how Yanni Gordon company fare in game four, but I want to thank the series because we know we're going at least five. We don't know what's going to happen in game four. So fill in the blank here for us, Alice and Lucan, as we close out this Monday show, the Seattle Kraken will win the series against Colorado. If they will win the series against Colorado, if they win four games. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, I and think that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they will they will win this series if they can limit rush attacks and the penalty kill and Philip Grubauer stay at the level at which they have been performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the things. We didn't even get into Gruby yet, who I think has been playing a, a really great game. But to your point, I think we saw in game three that the Seattle Kraken can do a little bit more to make sure that Grubauer doesn't have to uh, absorb as much and put up such a heavy workload for the team. All right. Well, we're going to have to make sure we tune in to Root Sports. And of course, always check out what's happening over on NHL.com backslash Kraken for your work, Allison Lucan. But thanks once again for joining us here on Locked on Kraken. Well, thank you. You remain the consummate pro. You do so many things to the most elite level. And I will put a little teaser because this is something we've talked about. We may be seeing Erica on Too Many Men sometime soon as well. So watch for that. All right. Love it. Yes. Can't wait for that. The gang back together again. Well, Allison, enjoy the game. We'll be listening. We'll be watching. We'll be reading. And until we get you on the show again, uh, be well and uh, enjoy the Pacific Northwest. Thank you. Love you, my friend. Love you. It's a game day, Seattle hockey fans. You're heard from the amazing Allison Lucan joining us on this Monday episode of Locked on Kraken. But tonight, it's the Colorado Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken once again at Climate Pledge Arena. We didn't get into this with Allison, but once again, stick taps to the Seattle Kraken, making sure that Andy Ide was a part of the festivities and that his family um, felt just how important he was to so many people in the Seattle and greater Pacific Northwest hockey community. So I loved that, loved the energy. I talked about it on playback, but there were some really nice swag bags that the media got. I'm jealous that I wasn't able to be there, but, you know, there are, are other things that uh, – that, I was able to participate in that, that some media don't. So you take the good and you move on tonight, 10 PM Eastern time. So of course that is 7 PM Pacific going to be on TBS nationally, also available on root sports. You can hear the amazing Allison Lucan. She talked to us on Sunday um, and we'll be with the broadcast. And of course we'll be watching on playback. Now I also did a live kind of look in um, and conversation. If you want to have a chat and just, you know, have a chat with some people 
watching the Kraken game, but maybe playback's not your vibe. I will also do another stream where I'm up on YouTube. So you'll see me in this camera actually that I'm using. I usually have a different cam um, that I use for playback. So that's going to be another fun way. The Seattle Kraken looking to even the series. This is the first time we've trailed only three games, but um, this is a big one. Getting this win at home would be huge, especially knowing the momentum swings in this series tend to be for the road team. But, of course, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the final result and get you ready for game five. How much do or die will it be for either team? Or will we go the distance? I told you I think we go six, but that's, as Allison said, why we play the games. All right, Kraken crew, thanks as always for making Locked on Kraken a part of your daily routine. Tonight, it's a game day. Let's go. Sage the jerseys. Get the rally towels ready. Hold fast. Stay true. I'll see you on playback or YouTube where we will all, loud and proud, say, let's go Kraken. Peace.